Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So on today's episode, ladies, we have Rachel Swanson. She is a former online business best-selling author turned real estate investor. In one of her projects, she talks about a nine-unit rooming house. And she kind of walks us through the whole project today of how they found it, how they financed it, and how they're managing it. And she's going to share how she was able to triple, triple her past income within 12 months. This is a breakdown. So enjoy it. Interest rates are sky high in 2023, and buying a rental property means you could get stuck with an 8, 9, or 10% mortgage rate. But what about a 2.99% rate with rent to retirement? Rent to retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate with an average cash flow of over $900 per month. Plus, They've got options where you can put as little as 5% down with no PMI. As the nation's leading turnkey investment company, Rent to Retirement helps investors build headache-free, high-cash-flow rental portfolios. And since their properties are fully turnkey, newly built or renovated, leased and managed, anyone can invest, even those who aren't into landlording. So what are you waiting for? This 2.99% rate deal won't last long. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Ninjessa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show. Thank you for being back with us for another week. Excited to have Rachel Swanson on our show today. Rachel, thanks for making time and sharing your wisdom with our community here. Thank you. Absolutely. Love being here. Absolutely. So good to get into your story and all the twists and turns. I'm excited to talk about some of your projects. I think all the women will also be. As we kick things off, thank you for coming back to another show with us. We do two episodes a week, our mini-sodes, our interviews. And just excited to be back with all of you listening. And we always like to get connected to you, kind of share something coming up for us, whether it's in real estate investing, whether it's self-care or whether it's just business, right? We don't want to run our, our investing like a hobby. So like, yes, so you're, you're on the docket here, my friend, what's, what's happening? So yesterday I went to a welcome back parents meeting at <laughs> Lorenzo school. Uh-oh. Interesting, right? 
the conversations that happen. I, anyway, let's keep that. But here's what I want to talk to you about. So Lorenzo has been going through Montessori since he is two years old. And I, although I understand the methodology, I'm always surprised with the things that happens in that classroom that are so different from my experience in classrooms and obsessions with the grade and things like that. And yesterday, she showed like a sheet for the week where they plan what are the things they're going to be working on? Hello, like I didn't even what he is selecting the areas and he's going to be working on. And I started looking at there's a lot of math there, right? And I said, it's kind of imbalanced. My son is kind of like a little imbalanced over here. Like, well, we encourage them for them to look and say, do you feel that this is imbalanced? Or do you feel that this is appropriate? Or what, what do you feel? He's seven. Mind your business. He's seven. He thinks that he writes very clearly, but I can barely understand, you know, because he writes so fast. So I was looking at that and I was like, if he gets, if my child gets that he only needs to work on the stuff that he's good at, he does not need to improve the stuff that he's not good at. And if he plans his week at seven years old, gosh, I don't know what is going to happen in the future. Whatever career or lifestyle he chooses to, to do, those are two skill sets that I've learned really late in my life. And I think that a lot of the investors that are getting overwhelmed because they are putting up fires all the time and they're feeling stuck in the midst of the operations of your business is because you are not planning your week and compartmentalizing days that you're going to visit your properties days that you're going to work on your business, on your bookkeeping, on your processes, on your staff, on building your team, days that you need solitude to resolve a problem, to create other projects. I think that the, the, the week planning is essential for all of us. And if something is not working, I encourage you to go back to your week planning. And really understand where your time is going and why. That is the most important thing. But I think that, you know, many of us, if you have not heard about Plenty Your Week, it just was just a reminder yesterday how empowering that, that is. The fact that he's seven years old, right? And he's learning that is amazing. And even if they're not getting it in school, because I'm like, you know, my kids are not getting that in, in school, but I'm like, maybe I institute that on a Sunday with them and it's holistic. Mm -hmm. That could be something you do at home, right? So yes. you give me a great idea of just instilling that power for them, that intentionality. Yeah. There is working on, right? And I found this, I might put on the show notes, ladies. I found this acrylic magnet calendar that you can put on your fridge. And you can write on, on it and it's, it's very cool, but he is in charge of the things that he needs to practice the whole day that have homework, all the other things, but it's, it's cool for letting them 
to be in charge and remembering the remembering part, ladies. <laughs> I don't want to be the the person in charge to remember, right? So keep that in mind as you move along, how important it is for you to really understand where your time is going. Love it. It's a great, great recommendation for all of us and our kiddos. So, well, Rachel, without further ado, I want to jump into your, your story. And we like to kind of start with this question. What has been the hardest lesson that's taken you the longest to learn in your journey? I'd say the hardest lesson has actually been not realizing that there's a lot that goes into working with the city for zoning and planning and ordinances. And that can totally wreck your business if you don't do your due diligence beforehand and make sure you have all your T's crossed and I's dotted. So it's so important, right? It's so important, but we, in many of the cities have really outdated systems. Yeah. And you need to talk to Joel, to Mary, to a wrong yeah. person, and then you start from ground zero. So great, great, great point, Rachel. So we're all really curious how you were able to triple your income, your previous income in 12 months. So we're going to dissect ladies, all of that, because I know that she's not going to be able to answer this in a heartbeat, but share with us how you started that journey. Yeah. Well, my journey really just started about two years ago going into real estate and I kind of became an accidental landlord at the time. So what happened is my husband and I, we were trying to buy our primary home just across town and trying to sell our other one. And for all intents and purposes, we, we couldn't sell it. It was a hot market. There was no reason. It was a beautiful home, but we couldn't sell it. It just wasn't selling. So we Talk to I talked to my lender and I said, hey, is there any way we can still hold on to this and rent it out? And she said, yes, I, I have it figured out. So we pulled a HELOC on our existing, you know, house that we were trying to sell. And we put that towards the down payment of our new home. And we rented out the other one. And even with that one being rented and our new home, we were still, and with the HELOC pulled, we were still cash flowing like around $1,000 a month, just right out the gate. And then at the same time, we had some friends, well, kind of acquaintances at the time, and they sitting out our downstairs basement for temporarily because they just couldn't find a live. And that was an extra 800. And so all of a sudden I was making, you know, an extra, you know, $1,800 a month for just kind of accidentally falling into it. But that's when it opened my eyes to the power of real estate. And at the same time, you know, it was a blessing because my previous career, I was an author, a writer and speaker. I, I did online coaching programs for aspiring authors. And when the pandemic hit in 2020, it just really hit that industry hard. All my speaking engagements were canceled. The publisher that I was working with, with my next book contract, he said, no, we're going to postpone this for at least another six months. And then that just never happened. And yeah, just over my, you know, all my coaching programs, they just dried up. And so I was thankful at the time that I found some, you know, real estate renting options in my life and it just kind of fell into my lap, but it opened my eyes again to the fact of, wow, there's something special in here. So then I started this is my nature. I'm a researcher by nature. So I just go all in and I start digging in. So I started reading, you know, over 40 books, you know, in the course of a few months, all on real estate, just grabbing as much as I could, consuming as much as I could and learning about it. And so then in 2021, that's when I started acquiring some properties and led to a very unique property, which I'm sure we can go into more later, but it just 
launched from there and we were able to really figure out the power of leverage and finding unique opportunities to really maximize the cash flow early on at a very short amount of time. Wow. Love that. So let's jump into that particular project. It's basically you converted an assisted living home, you know, in a sense, to a nine unit, right? Rooming house for traveling, traveling professionals, which is a big strategy right now. The midterm, you know, rentals are are something that a lot of women in in investing are jumping into, transitioning, maybe transitioning some of their short-term rentals too, just to kind of create create that strategy. So walk us through a little bit about you know, from A to Z, how did you find this opportunity? And just let's talk through, you know, that first, how how did, how did you find it? And then walk us through the next steps. Yeah, absolutely. So at the time it was honestly just on the MLS and I had seen it and noticed this property. The reason it caught my eye is because it also had, it had a single family home attached to the property. So basically what it was, it was two properties. The previous owner, what he was doing was he had bought the property next door like years ago, and his goal was to combine the whole property. So take the existing nine bedroom property and convert it with the three bedroom. And he was going to make like a 16 bedroom assisted living facility. And then when the pandemic hit, I think he got hit pretty hard. And as well as, you know, it was kind of funny. He's like, you know, I'm 80. And when you start to take care of people that are younger than you, you might want to consider retiring, you know? So he was just older and realized, you know, it was time to retire. And so it had been on the market for a while. So it wasn't selling, you know, he was struggling. I think there was only three people left in the assisted living home. It just wasn't a really hot market for it. And at that time, there was, I don't know, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how I came across it, but I came across the idea of co-living. And again, it's the idea of taking a house and renting it out by the room, basically, but have shared living spaces where everybody can just utilize. And so the benefit of this is, you know, you can increase your cash flow really high. And I just felt like at the time, you know, I, I live here in Idaho, this property is in Idaho. And the cost of living has just gone, you know, through the roof, like finding an affordable place to live is really difficult. So I just also thought, you know, this is a really good opportunity where people are trying to find an affordable place to live. And this could be something that's more affordable for them and still cash flows really well for us. So maybe we could create a win-win. So with this property, because it had the house attached with the price point that they were going for, we already knew, you know, you kind of just look at, okay, worst case scenario you know, is my investment still protected? And and we knew we could easily parcel off that house since it had been parceled off before and sell it. And we'd still, you know, make back our investment of what we'd have to put in. So for us, it was a no brainer. We saw the opportunity saying that if things fell apart, if we couldn't get this place up and running, if we couldn't get this, you know, design as a co-living or you know, a what's considered a rooming house up and running, then we could still do an exit, you know, sell off the house, sell off the other building, and we'd still make up our money. So yeah, so that's how we found it. And we just started running with it. And I can tell you more if you have more questions about that. Yeah, let's break that down. Did you have to go through any zoning change? So since it wasn't assisted living, we did still need to pursue a commercial loan. So we did go through the traditional process of a commercial lender. And 
put the money down. The existing zoning was actually, it's called R2 and that's a residential, but with the ability to do like a duplex or something like that. But it had a special use permit as an assisted living home. And so with the current zoning as that, this wasn't until way later that we found out. Actually, we honestly found out about this probably just a few months ago where when we were having to try to figure out the zoning because ever initially when we started to convert it and do this and talk to the city, we were newbies, right? We were very, as much as you do your research, you also just don't know until you just go through it like fire. And so the city started telling us, okay, well, in order to do what you wanted to do, this is considered like a multifamily and that doesn't work. So we were working with the city. We had multiple meetings where they just didn't like what we were doing because it just didn't fit in their perfect little you know, city ordinances and categories until we found what was called a rooming house, you know, upper, upper definition, I guess you could say that the ordinance that you can put on that, the permit. And when we looked at that, we already had the zoning exact in place. So it was already needed, same zoning, same everything. Nothing really actually needed to be changed except for the fact of just pursuing the rooming house permit. So Recently, we had a meeting with the neighbors and, you know, you have to have that kind of go through the city, all the processes of that. Everybody thinks it's a really cool idea. They love the idea of what we're doing. I love your neighbors. When <laughs> have you gone to a community meeting where they just like hate? <laughs> oh, yeah. so you want that? No, I don't want that. Oh, so you want this? No, I don't want that. I don't want anything. <laughs> yeah. If so they have tomatoes and eggs, their hands, they will throw it at you. So I, I'm, I love Idaho folks. Yeah, I know. Yep, yeah. So we were really nervous at first, actually. I was like, oh no, we're going to get like those, you know, crazy ones that just don't like what we're doing. But we've really made a good point of trying to make sure that the neighbors feel safe. And, and actually we've done a gone above and beyond with this property, making sure there's cameras outside of it, making sure there's these special lock keys, like swipe keys, basically like a hotel key on all the outside of the property, making sure that parking isn't an issue. Like we've done a lot of things to make sure none of the neighbors are bothered by it. And so actually all of them have said, wow, yeah, this is such a cool idea. I love what you're doing and we haven't had any issues. So that was, that was a good win, making sure it was that. But yeah, we didn't have to go through any crazy zoning. We thought we were going to initially, but if it wasn't zoned properly as, you know, you'd have to look through and see, okay, what is the rooming house and what do you need to have for zoning and does it line up with this property? If not, then you do have to go through something like that. The one thing that we did do, we sold off the house. So we did have to get a survey done, a new survey, because apparently the lines were drawn up wrong last time, who knew? And so we got that done and sold it off. And now we just own the existing nine bedroom. And now we're doing it. We're converting some of the rooms and have converted them into like a midterm rental for traveling nurses and professionals. So it's a little bit of a mix. There's some people, they're all, they're all professionals. They're all working people, mostly single, you know, none of them have kids. So there's no kids in the building. They're, they're like studios in a sense with this shared kind of kitchen, which is a big double kitchen. We remodeled everything. So it's really nice. So everything feels clean and yeah, it's kind of a mix between, again, like a short-term rental and just your standard normal rental. In terms of the the actual process of say, okay, this is the plan for this building. This is the highest and best use of this building. And I think, you know, so many people just don't go into properties thinking that or don't really do the due diligence to figure out, you know, what is the best options for this building in this market, in this town, in this economy, right? All yeah. those things have to kind of check, if you will. Yeah. So walk us through how you got there. How you got yeah. to saying this makes the most sense basis, the market, 
and the economy, right? And because right. lending matters, all those things matter when we're making the decisions on like the highest and best use of the building and obviously the highest profitability and the time that's going to go into it because rooming is a different strategy than yeah. say hands off, good luck, right? And so walk us through that a little bit, that kind of decision-making process for you guys. Yeah. Well, this is something we had to actually convince the city too. So <laughs> it's something we've already gone through. But yeah, for all intents and purposes, you know, for assisted living homes, at least in that area, and because of the pandemic, it just wasn't an asset class that was doing as well at the time. I'm not exactly sure how it is now. I'm sure there's certain areas and certain you know conditions where it would be. So, you know, that wasn't really that highest and best use. If they had just left it, you know, here is nine bedroom property and it's not really a single family home. And that was another issue because when we went to, we were actually going to refinance so that we could pull off the house, that three bedroom, two bath and sell it. We were going to have to refinance it with just the nine bedroom. And we went through three appraisers and they would not, like they couldn't, they said, appraise it as a single family home. They said it was just not the fit, you know, of a single family home. There's not any comps available. There are nine bedrooms, 11 baths, you know, just double kitchens, all these like weird kind of things with it. And so it was a difficult moment where we thought, man, what are we going to do? But, um, and, th and so it really, when we talked to the city, we're like, look, Right now, assisted living's not not doing great. It's not really a single family home. The highest and best use for this property is truly a rooming house. This is the best option. It fits all the criteria for your parameters on parking, on, you know, living space and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And for us, it just seemed like it made the most sense. Plus, you know, talking to them, hey, there is a real need for those that are traveling nurses to do midterm rentals that have a, an affordable and nice place to live, as well as for the existing community. And so for us, what we do is we, you know, in this situation as a landlord, we cover all the expenses. So we just give them a set rent rate that covers utilities, internet, a housekeeper that actually comes in once a week and cleans the shared spaces, you know, it covers all of those things. And so they just, they all they have to worry about is just the one you know, time right. And that's it. And for them, I think that's really helpful because especially when you're in that, you know, kind of lower income or just kind of, you know, working hard, but struggling to make ends meet, it's hard to be able to budget all the different things that can go into renting. Most people are like, oh yeah, I'm going to rent it for 800. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, internet is an extra $60 a month. And then you have utilities that are, you know, 150, 200 a month. And then you have, you know, added things like landscaping, if you have to be in charge of that, and that's an extra amount. So for a lot of people, it's really attractive to rent a place like this because it is typically a little more affordable. And because we don't actually charge the rates of like a standard, like one bedroom, since it's not exactly a one bedroom, but so we do do it a little less, but it still ends up cash flowing really, really well overall because you're pulling everybody together. And again, it's a nine bedroom unit. So it's it does a pretty good job of that. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets and 500 of those women will be at InvestorCon 2024. It is the number one premier conference for women in real estate and it's happening June 2nd to 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestorCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care, all designed to help you take control of your financial future. 
gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with women who are playing at the same level. Time is running out. You just have four weeks left to get your ticket. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit investhercon.com today. Use the code 100 podcast to get $100 off your ticket. That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100 podcast to get $100 off your ticket. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. So you guys got a commercial on it? We did. Since then, we actually, now we own it free and clear. We took the money that was the, the, the house that we sold off and had to put that against the loan. We didn't necessarily want to do that, but at the time we were trying to sell off the house and refinance it and they just wouldn't appraise it. At the time, how it needed to be appraised as a single family, we would have had to do a kind of a commercial type of appraisal and I would have had to go with a different loan structure and all that. So all things, you know, long story short, we just felt like, you know what, we can actually afford to take the money that we made from that. We had that extra you know, a little bit of extra in our account that would cover for it. So we just put it all down and now it's own free and clear. But, you know, we've actually made a lot of value add to the property. So it's worth way more than what we even purchased it for. Got it. Talk to me about the construction. What was done at the property? Yeah. So construction wise, truthfully, we didn't do a whole lot. All we did was just remodel the entire inside as far as just made everything nicer. So we put in new cabinets, new tops. It's nice, like granite countertops, shaker cabinets, new, you know, laminate flooring. We painted everything, put better lights in there because it was just really dreary <laughs> you know, and just didn't have good lighting. The, the property itself isn't super old. I think it's like around in the 1990s it was built. So it's not super old. It has really good bones. We didn't have to do a whole lot of difference with electrical. There were a few issues though, because of what we didn't really realize is that 
you know, the water heater issue and the gas line we had to address and, and get a larger gas line put in for the property because it just really didn't have enough for everybody. We also had to get, you know, a couple new water, heater, like an additional water heater because with between everybody, it just wasn't supporting enough. So I don't know how he did it before, but, but yeah, so we, you know, certain things like that, we added to make sure it was functional. We have the highest speed internet, because again, that's a really big one for traveling workers and especially executives if, or places like if that. If you finance that from the commercial loan that you got? We had a private money, like a friend who gave us private money to put down for some of those expenses. So we were able to work with him. And so we kind of, in a sense, have a HELOC from him. That is truly kind of our only payment is we do pay him like $700 a month right now to have borrowed that almost like $200,000 for both renovations, as well as we had to have some money put aside because as a commercial lender, they typically want to have, well, this one in particular, they wanted to keep 100000 just in a separate one of their bank accounts associated with this property in case anything happened. They, they basically wanted 12 months worth of payments and some cushion so that they are also protecting themselves as a lender. Did I interest reserve account? It was a just like a basic checking account. No, 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 no. It was a CD. Sorry. It was a CD account. Something we weren't able to touch, but they wanted to have access to it if... For some reason, we didn't have the money for the payments. Since then, since we have put that back towards the property itself, we got all that money back, put it back into the property, and now we own it free and clear. But yeah, that was the other thing. That lender wasn't, you know, not all lenders are created equal, I'll just say. And that one was a difficult one to work with. I, I appreciate them. They helped us get in. But the process after that was very difficult because they just, I think because it's a unique property, it was a unique concept. It was kind of a risk on their sense, you know, of, is this actually going to cash flow? Is this yeah. actually going to turn out to be what it is? So I did have to do a lot of convincing with that lender to get the initial loan. And then even through the process, when we were, you know, making some changes and wanting to sell off the house and stuff, they, they just weren't super on board with that, but we were able to work through it, you know, get to a place where everyone was happy. We got them paid out and now it's free and clear. Last question would be around management. How are you managing it? You know, have you, have you implemented certain, you know, tech in, in, involved in that, and especially people rooming a house together. So there's got to be yeah. pieces to that puzzle that is different than, than a typical rental. So yeah, a little more labor intensive, I would imagine. But yeah, how, how have you navigated the management piece and what have you put in place? Yeah. Well, so that, that was definitely a journey. <laughs> Let's see, we had a drug bust in our first 32 days when we were there and she got arrested and taken to jail. So, you know, there's a, we had this other thing that happened with this other couple that you know, never just put a couple in the unit, especially when they ha seem like they have some, some issues going on. So that was a process. I, I started my own property management company actually last year as well, because I was buying properties as well as you know, wanting to manage my own, both for an extra bit of cash flow, as well as I wanted to learn it myself and really understand what goes into this. And now I feel like I have such a good idea, good grasp of what goes into property management, where I feel like I could easily hire out the right type of company, ask the right questions and know that they're doing their job. But because this one was such a unique property, it's been a lot more of us, you know, hands-on taking care of it. So initially our leases were structured like a three or six month lease. And truthfully, we were just looking for people, you know, individuals on just a normal, you know, 
not like midterm rental or anything like that, but just people that want to rent. And, you know, we screened a lot of people. That one person, I, you know, I, it's, it's one of those, like, I put my Christian hat on on that one and was like, oh, I feel bad for them. I just, I want to be able to take care of this girl, see if she can be in a place. Truthfully, this girl had had a previous record of drug abuse and she had just gotten out and she was supposed to, you know, be clean. Her mom was really excited about this type of living environment because it's not like her by herself. And truthfully, there's so many people, right, that are coming in and out. It would be really difficult to go unnoticed or have any of those kind of, you know, issues going on in building that wouldn't be noticed. And so sure enough, you know, I, I did do my due diligence. I put in in my leases, especially with her. I said, you know, if there's any, you know, instance of drug abuse or anything like that, you 100% forfeit the deposit. You, she has to remo be removed immediately from the property. You cannot pursue any sort of lawsuit or anything against, you know, our decision or whatever. So all of that was, you know, in place. And sure enough, within 32 days, she broke that lease agreement with, with us. And so she was out. Since then, now we have transitioned a few rooms into what are called like a midterm rental. And so what a midterm rental is, is really like 30 days or more stays. And so it breaks away from the short term, which is like, it can be as many as four or five a week, you know, people just in and out there. And that's not something we really wanted to do for this place. We wanted to kind of still keep the community aspect of it and have a little bit more consistency between people there. Plus, short-term rentals is a lot more work. Midterm, not so much. I mean, when you're transitioning every three to six months with people, it's not a whole lot of work. The other benefit of midterm rental is typically, you know, you have, like, for example, you know, I have a nurse who is leaving in about a month. I already know her date, you know, her date is coming up. You can advertise for that ahead of time. And I've already gotten like three or four responses from other nurses who, you know, start to pop up on the reader. They know what their schedules are and they're coming in in three months. And so it's pretty easy to be able to then just schedule the next one to come in. You can take a little bit of a few days extra time to make sure the cleaner can get there and make sure it's in ship shape for that room. And then you're on your way again. So the management side isn't as bad. And we also did have to put in a lot of rules, though. That was something to learn <laughs> when you're doing a rooming house or something where people are coming all together, you know, just like a family, right? Like you can, you know, you can bump elbows or you can bug each other. Or, you know, there's just different things. You kind of have to set the rules for your family too. So in this instance, we had to set a few rules. So one thing is the kitchen was the biggest thing that was getting really dirty, really messy. Some people were just not very clean, right? And so I had to put that parameter in there of like, hey, this is the most important thing. I, I don't want to be your mom. <laughs> I don't want to be telling you to keep cleaning up. But hey, we're adults here and we do need to just pick up after yourself, like keep, you know, take care of the messes that you make in the kitchen. And how we had to implement this was we had to start putting in like, hey, we are going to start finding people if we find out if you've left it messy. And then we actually did put a camera in the kitchen area because again, this is that you can do that since it was a common kitchen, a rooming house, you have the common areas. And so you can put it there. You can't put in obviously the bedrooms or anything. That would be weird. Don't do that. But you know, you can put it in the, in the kitchen. And so, as soon as we put that in the kitchen though, instantly it was very clean. <laughs> so, you know, we had to put that in there. We also had to put a few chores. So there's two chores that rotate between people every nine weeks since there's nine people that come in. Mm -hmm. And so for that week, they have to do the chores of one is just, just literally taking out the trash and putting a new trash bag in. And then the second is putting away the clean dishes 
because there's two dishwashers, two sinks, two whatever. But, you know, the dishes, if they're clean, you know, a lot of people like, whose job is it? You know, everybody's kind of using all the dishes. So we just had put in there, okay, you know, we we will put up a schedule. And so if there's a schedule that's up in the unit, or, you know, you could always just text out the schedule to people or email it to them if you want. And then I do have it set on my phone just as a reminder to let people know at the first of the week whose job it is this week. That's been really helpful, I think, because otherwise, sometimes people forget, and you just don't want to have grumpy people forgetting about that kind of stuff. So some of those rules, you know, have had to go in place. And ever since then, oh, and the other thing was parking. Sorry, that was another big thing. So we have six units that have their own private bathroom connected to their room. They get the six parking spots that are in the driveway. There's six spots actually available in the driveway, how we have it for them. And then the other three people that have just the half bath and connected to the room. So there's one big common shower room that's just for those three people. And again, that gets cleaned professionally to each week, which is nice. So it doesn't get all gunky, but they get street parking, which there is enough street parking for those three cars. It hasn't been a problem. We have permits available for that too, that we got in place. So all of that is, is, is good. And they get to rent the places for a little bit cheaper because of course they're sharing a bathroom with others and they don't have their own designated parking spot. But having designated parking spots and telling people where they are, I feel like has been super helpful because they just know that that's their spot and they know where they're at. And that I think has just been make things a lot more streamlined and make sure that there's no issues between tenants. So yeah, those are kind of the main things. There's been a lot of little, you know, littler things, but as you kind of walk through it, you get more and more clear. And you also put those in your leases to make sure every lease has all that stuff in place so that if they do break it or they do become a nuisance about it, you do have the ability to terminate them if need be. And security, quick question about security deposits. I would imagine you still do them for for the for the three to six months leases. Do you, and you could just, so if they don't do their chores or they don't do X, Y, and Z job, quote unquote, you can deduct that from your deposits from them. Yeah, there's one we, I was, well, I did, I told her that, but then she ended up leaving and not you know, paying me fully at the very end. So it was one of those where, you know, she just needed to let go anyways. <laughs> so sometimes you just, you put those in place so that it also prevents the people that are making those messes from staying. <laughs> so they yeah. want to just leave. And it's great. I'm like, I'd rather them leave because they're making messes. They're not really following the rules. They're, you know, causing issues with people. So I'm happy if they just go. Whereas the other thing of, of the other important thing was with the security, because, you know, there are a lot of people coming in and out so in the very beginning, especially when there was this gal who was apparently bringing in people late at night, you know, through her hallways and people that you're, they're obviously on meth or, you know, some of those drugs. Mm -hmm. And some of the other tenants were getting, you know, nervous and worried about that. And so, but these people would just be walking in and out. And I felt like that was not a safe environment. And so after that, we decided, nope, we're going to put out, you know, cameras on the outside to take a look at things. We're going to in also install. So we installed like the hotel type of security lock systems where it's like a, a key card for the outside locks. So everybody has the same key card, but you can only enter it automatically locks. You can only enter the place if you have that key card. And that's been super helpful because even since we put the cameras up and we have those key cards, you know, I've seen some people where they'll walk up to the door. I think it's a friend probably, and they try to open it and it's not as open, you know, but I think that's really helpful because then it makes it to where, yeah, nobody's just going to show up or walk through there that isn't 
isn't supposed to be there unless they're with a friend they have entered because a friend has let them in. And I think it helps everybody just feel more comfortable with that as well. Uh, And then everybody has their own, obviously, keys for their rooms that's separate from that. So obviously nobody can go in each other's rooms. There's a lock for that. It's great. A lot of of food for thought because doing rooming houses, you know, I've heard from a lot of different people, right? It it could be be very lucrative, but you have to set it up properly because you're not just managing the asset. And in a sense, you're managing the people and it's, they're all together. So great insight. So appreciate that so much, Rachel. Where can the ladies listening learn more about you and, and follow you along this journey? Yeah, absolutely. My favorite place is Instagram. So Rachel C. Swanson is where you can find me. And I always respond to messages. So feel free to message me if you're like, what is this? How do I do this? Like, what are the things I need to know? Because yeah, it is a a big kind of undertaking to go into something like this, but it is very worth it. I mean, we currently have like a cash flow you know, with that is, you know, grossing about 8,500 a month. And so with expenses and everything, you know, we take in about, you know, 4,200 in net. So that has been a really, really good property for us. And it can definitely be life-changing and it has been for us. So, you know, I recommend it for getting started. Awesome. And you can find all this information on our show notes. So we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. Then the first one is, what's the most transformational book you ever read? I feel like it's so cliche. You hear everybody talk about it, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad was truly the best, in my opinion, for both real estate and mindset. And I think the reason why I like it so much is because it's not just about the practical applications. He really goes into a story and, you know, brings it to life, puts in more personal meaning, as well as talks about more of the mindset of transitioning your mindset of like, okay, what does being an investor or, or thinking outside the box, looking at how to participate in the capitalistic structure of the U.S., how do I participate in this and grow from it? So for me, that was truly the book that changed a lot of, of my mindset. And I think it really did catapult me into the real estate business. So the second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Exercise for me, 100%. When I wasn't doing that, you know, it, it's more than even just the physical, you guys. It's it's the mental. I, I have struggled with some mental, yeah, just depression and anxiety issues in the past. And I have to say, since being a, you know, regular, regularly exercising, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy, you know, I'll sometimes just go for a 30 minute walk. And that's my exercise. It's, it's getting my blood moving, doing something that's active, but also, you know, kind of relaxing and at the same time. But that is crucial because if I don't have that, then I feel like I just kind of spiral that day or I just don't feel as motivated to get moving or anything like that. So for me, that's been been really huge. Do something active. The last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? So her name is Nicole Edgmond, and she was my counselor for, and actually she's just kind of been my mentor and counselor for years and years and years. And, you know, when I was going through a really dark time, this is way before, you know, my real estate stuff, but she really was the one who helped pull me through and helped me transition my thoughts back away from the place I was in and look towards hope for the future. So, you know, honestly, if it wasn't for her, I just, I don't know. I, I honestly don't think I'd be here today as far as just um, working in real estate and continuing to move forward and all of those things. So she has been really transformational. I, I highly recommend, you know, finding a good mentor or counselor, somebody you can really confide in and really tell about 
everything. You know, you, you can share everything with her. She doesn't judge. And she's only just somebody who's just able to really walk you through, you know, what you're going through and help turn your mind in the right direction. It's great. We all yeah. know that we all need those people. So yeah. Rachel, thank you so much for being on our show. We really appreciate you being here with us and sharing what you did in terms of your projects and good luck with everything that's in front of you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.